How many of you ever heard of a show on television right now called The Masked Singer? Ever heard of that show? Just a few of you, right? So apparently, I've never seen this show, but there's a few um, promotions or highlights I've seen of it. And apparently there's these singers, they come out in these masks, or sometimes they come out with like a full costume. And so they conceal their identity. And then these judges start to choose which singer they like best based on just their voice. But the trick is, every once in a while, they sneak in apparently a popular singer, like a really well-known singer, at least at some point in his or her career. And they start singing, but they don't know who it really is. And they start to figure out, hey, I think I recognize that voice. See, we are kind of like those judges. We hear lots of voices throughout our day. We have to decide which ones to listen to. We also have non-audible voices that speak to us in our heads, which are even harder to discern. You might hear something inside your head that's maybe more like your conscience, saying, you know what, you could have been a little nicer to that person. Other times it might be more of an insecurity that pops up into your head. It says something like, well, that was another stupid thing you did. Sometimes we still can hear our mother in our head saying things like, take off your shoes when you come into the house. But as Christians, we believe there are other voices that we can hear as well. The enemy tries to seduce you with things like, you don't have time to pray. and It doesn't do any good anyways. And God, we believe, speaks to us in a number of ways as well, telling us a variety of things. For example, I was teaching uh, at a high school recently for an impact club, and one of the girls told me that she was kind of a, known for being a rebel, and she'd gotten into trouble, and she'd actually run away, from, run away and just really messed up her life. And she got to a really low point in her life, and she told me she heard a voice saying, I've got you. I've got you. Wow. So there are lots of voices. And we're trying to discern which ones to listen to. Well, this is our second week of our series on the four waves of prayer. Last week we introduced the, uh, the theme. We introduced our, also our vision for the year. We're going with a one-word vision. It's called Immerse. Immerse that mean, means that we need to fully engage our lives in the things of God. We've been focusing around uh, this idea of this acrostic called bells. And that we need to be about those things in our life. And the bells, these are the ideas of bless someone, eat with someone, listen to God, learn about Jesus, and be being sent out. Trying to build those into our daily disciplines of our lives and practice those things. We've also been given a scripture that is going to be tied into our church this whole year. Psalms 42, 7 and 8 says, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. So last week we talked about prayer in the sense of that God's people need to wake up when it comes to prayer. I think the state of the church is coming to a point where if we don't learn to pray, we're in trouble. 
I think the church in general has lost its ability to pray. We just we don't operate with that sense of need anymore. Look for, and then I, I suggested the idea that we need to become helpless before God, knowing that yeah we we do some good in the world and we produce a little bit of here and there in our church and our agencies and our daily lives, but really really when it comes down to it, we're making minimal difference in our community, and we are helpless without God. There is just so much pain and there is so much heartache in our community. And as, even as a Christian, I, I struggle sometimes. I saw, heard recently on the radio this week, it's, it's, it's not a Sometimes I tremble on the rock. You know, I'm standing on a rock and I'm trembling and I'm insecure and I'm a, but the rock doesn't tremble. The, rubble, the rock doesn't shake. And that's what kind of life is like right now. We we need to get the community back on the rock. We need to get that community back on the rock and the church back on the rock. And that really is going to need to come through prayer, most of all at this moment. Express our helplessness before God. We were not going to give up. We're not going to give up hope that his mercy yearns for something better to give our community. I'm talking to lots of people in our church about, seems like as Christians we've become content with just a little bit of change. As a pastor you get content with just, oh, three or four more people new coming to church. Wow, whoo-hoo! Not that that isn't good news because, you know, everybody's important, but we, uh, we don't yearn, we don't, we don't expect God to do great things anymore. And that's sad. And that needs to change. So last week, kind of presented the heart of, of where we need to be emotionally for our prayer life. And this week, I want to talk more about putting ourselves before God in a way that we can hear Him better. I don't even know if hearing is the right word in some sense, because we associate hearing so much with listening with our ears. The Bible is full of stories about God talking to people. Abraham was told to present his son as an offering to God. Moses, via the burning bush, was told to set his people free. Joseph was told not to divorce his wife Mary after she told him she was pregnant. On and on and on the list goes. I'm just scratching the surface. But to tell you the truth, all these stories can be a bit frustrating for me. Because God has never, ever spoken audibly to me. And even the times where I felt God's nudge in my life, I didn't walk out with absolute certainty that it was God. There was at least some point of doubt in my mind that I was hearing God. And I wonder, when I compare my life and my hearing with what I read in the Bible, and I start to think, why? Why the difference? So I come up with three theories of why it's just not working. Number one, theory number one, I am a terrible listener. My wife would often say that's true. So maybe I am. My problem is, I keep expecting God to speak with this, like this James Earl Jones voice. 
Like I would say, wait a minute, who's there? Who's speaking? And he would say, I am your father, your heavenly father. Or maybe I would expect this neon lighted arrows pointing me directions to go left or to right in my day, and it doesn't happen. Theory number two, maybe God isn't talking so much these days. Possible. I mean, God can do what he wants, right? Maybe the stories in the Bible were unique. I mean, special. That's why they're in the Bible, because it doesn't happen every day. Or theory number three. While God did not speak, while God did speak to many people audibly in the Bible, maybe many of them didn't actually hear God in a way that involves their ears or maybe even their eyes. This possibility was recently proposed by my favorite Wesleyan pastor, Stephen F. Nyla actually had me listen to this sermon, and it was good. And he asked the question, what if they knew how to listen through their soul? What if people today don't really know how to listen through their soul because we've just gotten lazy, we're untrained, our souls are asleep in some way or another? So all these theories and questions are what I want to talk about a little bit today. So I'm going to read this passage that Jody read earlier. It's actually one of my favorite passages. It's just two verses long. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind there was an and then there after excuse me, after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. While God works in a variety of ways, his spirit is most often gentle, not forceful. God is a respecter of our wills. And usually, Usually God's voice is not found in chaos or noise or hurry or crowds. Just generally so. God can do whatever he wants. These are basic guidelines. The problem is, our life is chaos, noise, hurry, and crowds. Hmm. Let's keep digging into the word and see what else we can learn. I'm going to Turn now to 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10. It's a story about this boy named Samuel who's studying under the priest, Eli. Okay, so he's just a child. He's learning how to be a priest under Eli. And so it says in 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, and the lamp of the God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of the God was. And then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back down and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. 
The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. So you do notice that there are times where God withdraws his vision, his voice a little bit. I tend to think God does that once in a while because he doesn't want us to rely on miracles. He wants us to rely on him. And we start looking for more the signs and the show of God than we look for him. And I think that's maybe one reason why God doesn't always just give us those miraculous voices. I also want to say one other important note here. While it's good and appropriate that we ask God questions and we bring our requests to him, we've talked about how important it is to start mourning for our city and bringing the request of God to come and help us and and bless the city. It's equally important that we don't just become people who want things from God, but we want God. There's a difference. Now, again, asking for things, if they match up with the heart of God, is fine. But the goal also should be to know God. He can decide what he wants to tell us and give us. We want to know him. They asked John Wesley one time, the founder of our denomination, they said, how do you know prayer changes anything? And he says, I know it changes me. I know it changes me. I think there are two things that God wants to give us most when we meet with him in our time of prayer. At least this has been true for me, and I think it's scriptural. Number one is his love. Now, we can talk about God's love. And we can kind of get it up here, but sometimes I think God wants us to experience his love. And yeah, sometimes he may not, he may go a different direction, he may challenge you, he may want you to repent, we may want you to work on something in your life. But I think most often God wants to remind you that he loves you. And when you sit with God in your prayer and he gives you that sense of being his child and his love hits you, Nothing else really matters. The other thing I think he wants to give you, again, maybe not dramatically every time, but he wants to give you some sense of his presence that he is with you. Do you ever get the feeling, even when you're alone, that, and you're praying that you're really not alone? That somehow his spirit is somehow just like, maybe not fully there, but just like you know that it's there with you in that room. These are the things 
people don't experience anymore because we don't know how to pray. And again, I don't want to say we should rely on the experience, but I'm just saying God does give us these things sometimes. You notice Eli had to learn, and Samuel, Samuel had to learn the voice of God. Jesus states this fact as well in John 10. He says, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them from my hand. I'm going to move on there. The voice of God. It may not be how we are used to hearing things, at least for many time, many ways, most of us, we don't get that privilege of hearing God in that dramatic of a way. But there's a way to hear it in some way. So I want to give us just some practical things to do, how to listen and not just with our ears. Number one, position yourself. Shut yourself off from the rest of the world and stop for a minute. Stop what you're doing. And not not to say any way that praying while you're doing is wrong. That's not the point. You should pray while you're doing. Of course you should. But we must learn that somehow in our culture that busyness has taken over. It kind of is almost a preoccupation with ourselves, this busyness that we crave. We're going nowhere fast as a culture and we don't know up from down and we keep just trying on the treadmill trying to move but we're not going anywhere. And I'm not just talking about our bodies. Our minds are addicted to speed as well. Technology is a wonderful thing but it's dangerous. It's hard to be still but there's something to be found in it. Now, if you need a transition to help you pray, and you need a transition from the busy craziness of life, and you want to pray, but you just need that transition, put on a praise song or two. Listen to some music that will draw you into God's presence, and start with that. Number two, present yourself. We need to learn to enjoy silence a bit more. I mean, silence has been a dangerous thing for me, both pro and con. If I, if I stay in silence too long, when I just remain inactive, there's a danger there. The walls start talking back to me, and I'm a little bit not good. But pres- uh, silence has also been powerful for me, and yet I don't do it like I should either. And, but, but number two, position your, present yourself to God. Invite His Spirit to be with yours and just be with Him. Dallas Willard once said that silence and solitude are the two most radical disciplines of the Christian life. We may say as Christians we need a moment of peace throughout our day, but the truth is we are not comfortable with silence for very long. In fact, statistics say that we can handle about 15 seconds of silence as, as it, when we're in company with other people.
even though that's a little bit uncomfortable, you maybe just get a hint, even in 15 seconds, that something powerful is happening. I don't want to promise you a miracle. That's not what I'm here about. I just want to convince you that it's worth the time. Number three, process his presence. Whether or not you feel it, you are communing with the one true God. I have to be honest with the the hearing part of that. I'm still on a journey here. I still consider myself a rookie when it comes to actually knowing that nudge of what to do. I would say, though, that God has blessed me a number of times with his love and his presence. Doesn't happen every day. I remember one time, though, I was just walking in, in our last church. I was, I was just walking across our fellowship hall. And all of a sudden, I had to sit down. Just felt like God was there. Just randomly. Just all of a sudden, I just felt God was there. Wow, that's pretty cool when that happens. Number four, prepare to act. Sometimes it will only seem like God's giving you just a little bit of a morsel, but sometimes a morsel of true spiritual food is enough. Trust the process. Let God decide what you need. But God is moving you. He's preparing you to face your day. I wrote down in my notes, and then stuck in my Bible months ago, I wrote down, abide in, his, in Him devotionally so you can live in Him functionally. Abide in Him devotionally so you can live in Him functionally. Because it all is going to come out throughout your day. What you have in you. Let me begin to leave you with a couple of those challenges. Know that God wants you to be helpless, but not hopeless. That's what we learned last week. Today, learn that God's love, his presence, and sometimes in one way or another, his voice is there. I think the future of the church needs to start with this. On Monday, October 7th, I have one other challenge for you at 6 p.m. at First Baptist. I know a lot of you won't be able to come. You have other things going on. But I mean, if you can come, there's a movement, I think, maybe beginning in this town. Some churches coming together. Christians meeting to pray for our city. Get it on the grassroots. If you can come, it'd be great to see you. Everyone is welcome. This is a chance to lift our voices to God and say, we need you in this city again. We need you in this area again. There's just too much pain. There's too much brokenness. And we are crying out to you for your spirit to change lives. And I encourage you, begin praying like you haven't prayed in a while. Live this day knowing God is with you. And take time to listen to what he's saying to you. Amen. Have a great week.